When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brent here from American English with this guy. And today I want to introduce a new series I'll be doing on the channel. And that is where I am going to take some of the most difficult words in English and break them down. Talk about all of the ways we use them. Words like get, take, and bring. And today, as that dog is barking in the background. Can you hear that? Today, I want to talk about brush. And you may think, well, I know what a paintbrush is. I, I know what a hairbrush is. But we also have so many phrasal verbs with brush, like brush up, brush aside, brush over. We also have some sayings in English, brush with the law, brush with death. But what I need to do today is pick up my lawn again. If you remember a couple weeks ago, I did phrasal verbs acted out while I did yard work. Well, I'm not gonna do that again, but before I get this work done, I wanna teach you all about the English word brush. And one of the ways that we use brush as a noun is when there is a lot of branches or twigs. I talked about the word twig a couple lessons ago in small things in English, but here's some brush over here. Just little twigs, little branches. It would be really hard to walk through this brush. So that's the way we use brush as a noun. A couple other ways we use brush as a noun, some very common ways. You probably know these already, a toothbrush. The verb we use with it is, is actually brush. So you can brush your teeth. A hairbrush. You can brush your hair. Hopefully you have more hair than I do. How about a paintbrush? You've probably heard of that too, but the verb changes just a little bit. You have to brush on paint if you're painting an entire house. You can't simply say, I brush paint onto the house. You need, you need that preposition on. I brush paint onto the house. But if you're using it with hair or teeth, you don't need the preposition on. But have you ever heard of a grill brush? In just a second, I want to show you a grill brush, but to do that, we have to go into my garage. Before we go into my garage, please don't mind the mess. It's a little messy in there. So, so this is my grill. It's getting to be wintertime, so I've brought my grill inside just to protect it. But to clean my grill, after I'm done cooking with it, I use a grill brush, and here's a grill brush. That's what a grill brush looks like. <clears throat> it was a little loud in my neighborhood, so I thought I should take a little drive and we can walk along a trail 
as we learn more about the English word brush. There are some abandoned railroad tracks that I think we can walk along and we'll actually wa be walking into the brush. Yeah, I've never walked down this trail, but let's see what we can see. The next type of brush I would like to teach you is a pastry brush. So pastries are things like cookies, cakes, donuts, anything sweet made with dough. And a pastry brush is used for brushing on, there's that phrasal verb again, brushing on maybe butter on top of a donut or something. Pastry brush, looks a lot like a paintbrush, but you definitely wouldn't want to brush paint on a donut. Yeah, so here are some abandoned railroad tracks. And the word abandoned means no longer used. I think when I filmed an English lesson at a truck stop, we visited an abandoned building, just for a little bit. Everywhere I go, there's some kind of noise. It sounds like a machine is off in the distance. Maybe we'll meet whatever machine is causing that noise. The next type of brush I wanna teach you it's kind of gross, but we need to have it. It's a toilet brush. So if you ever need to clean your toilet with some kind of tool that looks like that, we call it a toilet brush in English. We don't usually use brush as an adjective. Adjectives describe nouns in English, but you might hear the term airbrushed t-shirts. And there's a picture of one right up there. You might see airbrushed t-shirts if you ever visit a big American city like New York City. A few years ago, my wife and I, we visited New Orleans. And when we were walking around as tourists, there was actually someone who was airbrushing pictures of people. And we got our picture airbrushed. I don't know where that picture is now. If I knew where it was, I would definitely show it to you. Any kind of art like that, we call it airbrushed. So you could get an airbrushed t-shirt or an airbrushed portrait of yourself. We can use brush as a verb on its own, not an English phrasal verb. And a couple synonyms for brush would be graze or skim. And that means to lightly touch, like my hand is brushing my cheek, or I could say brushing against my cheek. My wife, she teaches PE at school. That's short for physical education. She teaches sports. So a lot of the sports she teaches will involve a ball. Let's say soccer. Maybe she's teaching soccer that day, or you might call it um, football. We call it soccer. And let's say a ball brushes her head, or it grazes her head, or it skims along her head. It means barely touching it. It doesn't hit her, but it almost does. So we could say it brushed her head. If you remember when I did that English lesson at a barber shop, Jason used a razor against my skin, and you could say that he was brushing it against my skin, barely touching it. 
to take off the hair. Now let's get into some of the English phrasal verbs we might use. The first one you might hear is brush up. Now this means at one time you knew something. Maybe you forgot it and then you need to learn it again or you need to relearn it. So in high school, I took three years of French. Can you believe it? Now, I really can't speak French, but I did 30 years ago take three years of French. If I were to go on a trip to France, I would have to brush up on my French. I would have to learn it again. Maybe when you were a kid, you rode your bike, but maybe it's been a few years since you've ridden a bike. You might have to brush up on how to ride a bike. But in English, we do have a phrase that says, it's just like riding a bike. You never forget it. So I don't know if that's true. Can you go many years without riding a bike and then just get on a bike and start riding it like you never forgot it? I think that might be true. So maybe you don't actually have to brush up on riding your bike. Maybe you never forget it. I just met a man on this trail. I don't know if he was behind me when I was recording, but he has, he says he has a camp up here. I don't, I don't know what that means, but uh, maybe there are some houses on this trail. We'll see. Now, there is a sign over there. Can you see it? And in between me and the sign, there, there is some brush that I don't want to have to walk through. I have no idea what the sign says. Let's see. Whoa. Uh, I don't think... Um, I don't think I can get close enough for you to see that, but I guess there is a club that maintains this trail. And it says if you're having fun on this trail to, to please join it. So somebody must have to take care of this trail. I really didn't know this existed. I've never been down this trail. Now we've already talked about brush on. You can brush paint on a wall brush paint on a house. You could actually brush on makeup. Maybe you want to make your cheeks look prettier. You could use a brush to brush on some makeup. I don't know much about makeup, but my wife made a video for this channel about makeup. I'll leave a link up there if you want to watch it. Whoa, there's like a little cliff down here. I definitely don't want to fall down here. I guess I need to be careful. The next one, oh, and I think I just, ooh, I didn't mean for this to happen, but I think there are some thorns here. And my hand just brushed along a thorn. Luckily I didn't get hurt. I felt it stick just a little bit. I guess I need to be careful of the cliff over here and the thorns over there. Sometimes it's dangerous being an English teacher. I just did it again. I need to be careful. My hand brushed along a thorn. Oh, it looks like there's another cliff over here. 
This is a strange trail. I've never been here, to be honest. I think I said that. Oh yeah, I need, okay, I, ooh. There are thorns. I need to stay on the trail. My pants brushed up against some thorns. All right, what's the next one I wanna do? What was it? I need to look at my notes. What was it, oh, brush out, brush out. There are my notes. Uh, brush out. So if you had long hair, I don't, you might brush out your hair and it might make it kind of poofy, kind of bigger. I wish I had more hair, but you could brush out your hair. Take a hairbrush and do this. You brush it out. You make it longer. You make it fuller. If you have a dog, we don't call dog hair hair. We actually call it fur, but you could brush your dog out. You could brush your dog's fur out. Maybe they got into the brush here. And they had grass and leaves all in their fur. You might take a brush and brush out their fur to get rid of all the leaves and all the grass, all the twigs, all the branches. The next phrasal verb I wanna talk about is brush over. Brush over. Let's say you were studying for an English test and right before the test, you wanna look at the material again. You wanna look at your notes again. You might brush over them really quickly. Just take a quick look at them. I've talked about the word skim already. So right now my hand is going to skim along my cheek. Again, it means to barely touch but skim can also mean to read quickly. So you might skim over your notes, you might brush over your notes right before that very difficult English test. The next one is tricky, and that is brush aside because it has two meanings. You can literally brush aside something. Now, I'm gonna show you the ground beneath my feet. Please don't make fun of my dad's shoes. All right, I literally brushed aside those leaves so we could see the wooden railroad track there. So you could physically, maybe there's a table and you wanna make room for something, you could brush aside whatever is on that table. But brush aside can also mean ignore. So maybe you have a teacher, an English teacher, but maybe they're not very good. Maybe in the classroom, you are asking a teacher questions, but they're just ignoring you. You can say, I don't know why you're brushing aside my questions. I really have a question about English. I hope you don't have a teacher like that. I hope your teacher will answer all your questions for you. The trail is getting a little wet, so I'm gonna have to turn around and go the other way but it looks like there's a part of an old car up here. Yeah, we would call that the hood of an old truck or the front of an old truck. Looks like some tires are here too.
those tires look too small to be part of that truck. If you are enjoying this English lesson about brush, you mind uh, subscribing, maybe liking the video, maybe sharing it with a friend so they can learn some English too. All right, I've turned around, I'm going the other way. Let's talk about brush shoulders. Now this part of my body right here is my shoulder. Uh, when you brush shoulders with people, it means you get to spend time with them. It means you get to hang out with them. And usually if you're brushing shoulders with somebody, it means that person either has more experience than you, maybe they're more successful than you, Let's say there was an English teacher's conference. And when I say conference, it means like a meeting. So I might have to fly to New York City to go to this conference. But maybe all of the English teachers in the world got together. And I got to brush shoulders with some of the best teachers in North America. I'm sure I would probably brush shoulders with Bob the Canadian or speak English with Vanessa. If you've ever seen their channels, they're great. So, and their channels are a little bigger than mine. So I might say, hey, I went to this conference in New York City and I got to brush shoulders with some very important English teachers. Maybe you're a business person and maybe you're just starting out. You haven't been in the business for too long, but you go to a conference and you get to meet a lot of other people who are in business, but maybe they have more experience than you. You can say, oh, the conference was great. I got to brush shoulders with some of the best in the business. I got to pick their brain. Let's, let's talk about that. That doesn't have anything to do with brush, but here's a bonus saying. If you pick somebody's brain, it means you get to learn from them. You get to ask them questions and then you become better at whatever it is you're doing. I would love to pick the brains of some of the best English teachers on YouTube, find out their secrets, see what they're doing right. You could also have a brush with the law. And that means you don't get in really bad trouble, but you get into a little bit of trouble with the police. Let's say he had a brush with the law when he was younger. Now, he didn't go to jail or prison for a long time, but maybe he had to spend a little bit of time in jail. Prison is worse than jail. Jail, people usually spend a little bit of time in jail, maybe a weekend or so. Prison, they go away for longer maybe years. But if you have a brush with the law, it means you just get into a little bit of trouble. Maybe you had a few speeding tickets and you had to pay a fine or something when you were younger. You had a brush with the law. Not really bad trouble, just a little bit of trouble. You could also have a brush with death, which means you almost died. Maybe you got into a really bad car accident. You had to spend some time in the hospital. You almost died. You could say, whew, I'm better now, but I had a brush with death. I hope that never happens to you. Hey, if you're looking for more English, take a look right up there. I did an English lesson about small things. Thanks for watching. See you next time. Brent here from American English with this guy. 
And today we are going to learn some English sayings you can say to yourself or someone else when they have a tough job to do. When they have something to do that's going to be hard, they don't want to do it. But here are a couple of sayings you can say that might give them some encouragement. And right now, there's some work being done on my car. I've made a lesson here before. It was a lesson at a used car lot, but I have an hour to kill, an hour to waste. I have some time on my hands and I thought, why not record an English lesson? It's on my phone. You know, I hope you don't mind, but if you want to learn some English, I'm ready to teach it. So I came to this quiet spot in the parking lot. I have my notes. I thought, let's talk about some sayings that we use when there's something that's difficult that has to be done. For example, maybe you, I don't want my notes to go away. The light just went off. I need, I need my notes. Um, let's say you have a day and it's going to be a really hard day. Maybe you have a lot of appointments. Maybe, maybe you're a boss at your work and you have to fire somebody. You have to let them go. In the morning, one thing you could say is this. It's not for the faint of heart. If something is really tough, you can say it's not for the faint of heart. So this day that I have to do, I don't wanna do it. It's not for the faint of heart. Another thing we might say, I've also done an English lesson on a roller coaster. Maybe you go to an amusement park and there's a scary ride. You can say, oh, that ride is not for the faint of heart. If you're afraid of heights, you're not gonna like it. Not for the faint of heart. It means it's going to be tough and uh, you might not like it, but you might just have to do it. Number two, you gotta have a thick skin. You gotta have a thick skin. I teach middle school, 12, 13, 14 year olds. And I'm not sure if you know this, but some of those kids can be mean. They can say some mean things to each other. Luckily, they don't usually say mean things to me. But if someone says something mean to you, you could say, well, you just gotta have a thick skin. What we mean by that is if something is difficult, if it's tough, don't let it worry you. Don't bother you. I hope you don't have a boss at work who's really mean. Hopefully they say nice things to you, but if sometimes they say mean things, we might say, well, you gotta have a thick skin. Thick skin, don't let it bother you. When things get, what is that? I think they're, the car lot's over there. I don't know if you heard that. I don't know how good the microphone is on my phone here, but they just yelled something out. I hope that didn't interrupt your English learning. But sometimes, hey, when you're when you're filming an English lesson in a parking lot, you gotta have a thick skin. Sometimes they can uh, mess you up here. I gotta be tough and try to get through this lesson. You You need to learn this English, right? Number three is brace yourself. Brace yourself. I think it's Game of Thrones that there's a guy, a meme. If there, if I can find the picture, it's like brace yourself. Winter is coming. I think I think that's it. 
I'm not a Game of Thrones fan, are you? Do you like Game of Thrones? If you if you are, you might know this, and if you watch it in English, it's like, brace yourself. Something, when we brace ourselves, it means we have to get ready for something bad that's gonna happen. For example, as my arm gets tired from filming this, um, let's say there's a boxing match, people are hitting each other, some boxers. Well, if somebody knows they're going to get hit, they might brace themselves for the hit. Like, you know, prepare for it, get ready for it. So brace yourself. Maybe you're waking up in the morning and you know you have that bad day. You might say, I need, I need to brace myself for this difficult day. Get ready, something bad is coming. You, you can handle it, this is, something bad's coming. Brace yourself. As I'm filming this, you might be able to see, you know, the leaves are falling off the trees. I need to brace myself for winter, something that I don't like very much. Speaking of bad things like winter coming, you know what I need to do to get ready for winter? I, I just need to put my big boy pants on. So so I'm a, I'm a guy, I'm a man. Maybe you, hopefully you knew that, but I'm a guy. So I would say I need to put my big boy pants on. Pants, you know, one leg at a time. We put our pants on, but you can't put your little kid pants on. You gotta put your big boy pants on to get ready for something that's coming that's gonna be hard. Well, for me, geez, my hand is shaking. I'm gonna try to do this all in one take. Um, winter's coming. I don't want winter to come. I need to put my big boy pants on. I need to get ready for it. And if you are a female, if you're a lady, if you're a woman, you might say to get ready for this hard day, to get ready for this hard thing that's coming, I just need to put my big girl pants on to get ready for it. I need to put my big girl pants on. Or I'll put my big boy pants on. And the last one, I might have a bonus one, but number five, buckle up buttercup. Buckle up buttercup, it, it rhymes. But if you have that hard day, or maybe you have a child that doesn't wanna to go to school and they're crying and like, I don't wanna to go to school. You might say, hey, I know it's gonna be hard, but buckle up buttercup. Uh, a buckle, think of like a seatbelt that protects you in a car. Sometimes we call that a buckle as well, the seatbelt that goes over your shoulder to protect you if you get into an accident. They're, they're calling more people out there. Um, buckle up buttercup. A buttercup is a type of flower, but I guess we just say that because it rhymes. But if you need to do something that's hard, you might tell yourself, hey, buckle up buttercup. I can do this. This day is going to be hard, but I can brace myself. I can get ready for it. Um, one other thing, this is like a bonus, number six. Number six is you just might have to toughen up. Toughen up. I think it's an English phrasal verb, but maybe if someone is having a bad day, they're saying, oh, I can't do it. I can't get through the rest of this day. My boss is so mean. You just gotta toughen up. You just gotta toughen up. All right, hope you've enjoyed this English lesson. Hope you've learned a little bit. If you want some more English, right up there, I did an English lesson. I think there's a bug on my forehead. This is my forehead. It keeps getting bigger every day.
I'm losing my hair. I'm going bald. But if you want to see more uh, English from this car lot, I did a whole English lesson from this car lot. Thanks for watching. See you next time. Brent here from American English with this guy. And in today's English lesson, we are going to talk about all of the English vocabulary terms, all of the phrasal verbs that we use when it comes to fall cleanup. And the first thing we probably should talk about is what the heck is fall cleanup? Well, in the United States, we don't say autumn very often. You know, that time of the year right before winter and right after summer. Yeah, we mostly use fall. And before winter comes and the snow starts falling, we have to clean up or pick up our yards. Americans, uh, I'm in my neighborhood right now, you can see most of them have a lot of grass. And uh, we love our trees, but in the fall, those leaves turn color and they look beautiful for a while, but then they, they fall, which is, I think, where we get the name of the season. This is early fall, so there are still a lot of leaves that have to fall, but today my job for fall cleanup is to pick the ones that have fallen. I'm gonna show you my shed, talk about hedge clippers, talk about lawnmower, all that kind of stuff. If that sounds like a fun lesson to you, well, stay tuned and I promise you are going to learn lots of English. The first thing we should talk about for fall cleanup is what should you wear? Because it's often a pretty dirty job. So I might call what I'm wearing my work clothes. So it's a old sweatshirt. I have a t-shirt on underneath. I have some really comfortable pants. I have this hat. I don't care if it gets dirty. And my shoes, I have on my lawn cutting shoes. I'd like to talk about them next. All right, my lawn cutting shoes. First, I have to take off my shoes and I'll just take off one, but it's an English phrasal verb there. So this is my lawn cutting shoe. My, I have two of them. I have a pair of lawn cutting shoes or grass cutting shoes. And you can see that they are all stained. They're pretty gross, but they're stained green. Stain, it can be a noun. There's a, a green stain right there, or it can be a verb. These are stained green. Basically my lawn cutting shoes are my shoes I used to wear or I once wore, but then they got old. Like this part here, we call that the tread. That's what makes your feet stick to the ground so you don't slip. Well, the tread starts to wear. They get a little dirty. They start to fall apart. So then I use them as my lawn cutting shoes. It's a little windy out here, but my shoes are made by a company called New Balance. They're an American company, which is cool, but I call them my dad shoes. And there have been some questions about that recently. I mentioned it in a lesson about a budget hotel. So I got a couple questions. What are, what are dad shoes? Well, because they're from the name brand New Balance, like nobody young wears those kinds of shoes. So they're not like Nike or Adidas. 
That's how we say that company in the United States, by the way. So they're just my dad shoes. Like young people don't want to wear them. So I say I'm wearing dad shoes. And the current shoes that I'm wearing, let, let's go look at them for a second. All right, this is the current pair of shoes that I'm wearing. If I could hold both of them, it would be a pair of shoes, but it's only one. Did you notice it, it's blue? I don't really want to wear blue shoes, but because of the pandemic and they're made here in the United States, they stopped making the color of shoes that I normally like to wear, either black or kind of gray. Everybody bought those up. So all I had left was the blue ones. Bought those up. Ooh. English phrasal verb, they, they bought them up. There are no more to buy. Next, let's move on to the shed. And we'll talk about some tools of the trade. Tools of the trade. That's a, a term we sometimes use for things that will help you do a job. Like I'm a teacher at school. Some of my tools of the trade is uh, a whiteboard. Uh, I might use um, a computer, those kind of things, maybe a pen or a pencil. Those are my tools of the trade today. The first tool of my trade is going to be the lawnmower. I held my shed door together with a bungee cord. Hey, if you're a channel member, by the way, during the live chats, there is an emoji of this shed if you ever want to use it. That bad boy is my lawnmower. The first thing I always do before I mow my lawn is check to make sure that it is full of gas. Looks like it might be about half full of gas. So I'll try to fill up the tank with a little bit more gas. But uh, it doesn't sound like I have a lot of gas left. I may have to make a run to the store to get more gas eventually. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of gas left in my gas tank. So we will be making a run to the store very soon. But I want to start mowing the lawn first. But to do that, I need to get a bag. Yeah, I attached that bag to my lawnmower. Now this is not a lawn bag. We will be using a lawn bag very soon. The next thing I'm going to do is start my lawn mower up, start up. I need to start it up and to do that, I need to pull on the cord. That thing is the cord. I've only made a couple passes with my lawnmower. Every time you go by your lawn, you make a little path or a little track. We call that a pass. So I've only made a couple passes with my lawnmower and I already need to empty the bag. 
We'll do that in just a second. But I wanna teach you the term missed a spot. Right here, look at I missed a spot in the lawn and I'll have to go over it again. You see that part on either side, there is a pass, but I missed the middle, I missed a spot. A lot of Americans would normally rake up those leaves. Ooh, another English phrasal verb, but I'm choosing to mulch them. I am running over them with my lawnmower and I'm making them really small. The leaves become smaller. We might say they've become little bits, real small little bits. Now I'm going to get a large trash can and a lawn bag, and then I'm going to dump in those mulched leaves. Oof, lots of new English terms right there. I'll show you what I mean in just a second. I have my roll of lawn bags here. I'm going to put them in this trash can. See? all the mulched leaves, they're little bits now. Yeah, I just do that a few hundred times more and we'll be done. You know what makes the job easier? AirPods. I'll be listening to my music as I mow the lawn, but do you know what makes the job more difficult? It's pretty windy today, so the leaves are blowing around quite a bit. Another English phrasal verb there. Now that the bag is full, I'm going to tie up the bag. Everything's just a little harder today because of the wind. Okay, good news. I'm halfway done with the lawn. I've done half. And now I have another half I have to do. But there's a problem. I can't keep up with the leaves. So if I could keep up with the leaves, there would be no leaves on my lawn. But as you can see, there are leaves. So just as quickly as I mow up the leaves or pick up the leaves or mulch up the leaves, whole lot of phrasal verbs there. More leaves fall from the trees. So I can't keep up. The next thing that's bothering me is this thing. Um, we might call it a bush. We might call it a hedge, but I need to cut back this hedge or I need to trim up this hedge. They both basically mean the same thing. Now, Notice I didn't say I need to cut down this hedge or I need to cut down this bush. If it did, it basically meant I would cut it at the bottom and completely get rid of it. No, I need to trim it up or I need to cut it back. Basically, I'm going to get some hedge clippers from my shed and start cutting off the tops of, of these things. I don't even know what you call them in, in English. Maybe we could call them leaves, I guess. They're not really branches. Those are found on trees. So let's just stick with leaves. But sometimes when you don't know something in English, you can just say, oh, 
you know those things at the at the end of the the bushes or the end of the hedges yeah those things or that stuff things and stuff work really well when you don't know the exact word yeah i broke that shed door um last summer during a live lesson i don't know if it's still up on the channel you can probably check Ooh, i see my hedge clippers if I can get through the door. That's all dark in my shed. Uh, sometimes creatures live in here, so I'm not gonna stay too long, but we might call these hedge trimmers. I won't bore you with cutting them all off on camera. Let's check back in a minute. It started to warm up. So another English phrasal verb. The sun is, the sun is kind of beating down on me. So I took off my sweatshirt so I wouldn't be so warm. So I could cool off a little bit. All right, so I did, I trimmed the bush back a little bit. And now I will rake up all of the scraps that are on the ground. Now I need to go back to the shed and get my rake. What do you know? I didn't have to gas up. I still have some gas in the tank. Not a lot, but I was able to finish. I'm gonna put away my tools of the trade. I'm gonna put them back in the shed and then I'm gonna call it a day. I'm done. If you like these English lessons where I act out phrasal verbs, check out this one. I did at my school. Thanks for watching. See you next time. Hello. Hope everyone's doing well. We were going to do the poetry thing today start reading some poetry, but guess what? Technology wasn't cooperating, so we have to do something else. Well, so what we're gonna do today is what we were going to do on Monday. We're just reversing it. So you remember that? Number five, we are going to go over some words for the short story that we're gonna read after Cryer's Cross. So we'll get the difficult vocabulary down about a month or two in advance though. So these words are something that we can work with for a little while. And then when we get to the story, you'll be like, Ooh, I know that word now. So hope you're all doing well. This will probably take about 15 minutes, maybe a little less, but there are 15 words here, 15 words for gingerbread girl, short story by Stephen King should be pretty amazing. I've read it with, Oh, I don't know. 15 classes probably throughout the years. Usually pretty popular. So let's get the, I mean, it's Stephen King. How can you go wrong? So let's get these words up here. I can make myself really small. We have an ad for a new Disney movie that's coming out. Seems like Disney's always coming out with a new movie, right? Most of them are good. I don't know about Encanto. It could be, it could be maybe Spanish. 
It sounds almost Italian there, Encanto. Anyways, let's worry about the words that we actually have to study here. Remember, uh, not a summative, but uh, formative. 32 points, though. So uh, it can hurt your grade if you don't turn it in. So over the next couple days, hopefully you'll be watching this a couple times and filling this out. And of course, if you need any help, I'm here. But the first one is Palmetto. Palmetto. And there's a picture here. It's just, you know, it's a small palm tree. We don't have them growing here in Maine because it is far too cold. But if you ever go to South Carolina, I do recommend it. It's a pretty cool state. When I used to go there, there was a very inexpensive gas, very cheap gas, 97 cents a gallon. But South Carolina is the Palmetto state. And you might see some Palmetto trees. Gingerbread Girl takes place in Florida. So you'll definitely see some Palmetto trees in Florida. The next one is invariably, invariably. And it means always without changing. So invariably, it will snow this winter, right? I mean, it's got, it's Maine. I mean, each winter, it seems like we get less and less snow, but invariably it will snow. Maybe not until January, but it always snows, invariably snows. Um, man, it seems like, let me just, let me just rant here for a second. Although I don't think it happened yesterday, but it seems like during class, we will invariably be interrupted, invariably be interrupted by announcements, right? It was just a picture retake. I was a little upset that day, but hopefully they, I don't think um, we were interrupted at all yesterday, but it seems like invariably we'll be up interrupted and invariably I'll get upset over the interruption. So it's just, it's going to happen. It's bound to happen invariably. Um, I don't know. It seems like over the winter, right? Invariably, like someone will get sick. A lot of you are watching, I hope, at home, following right along with class. I know most of you aren't sick. You just you just had to quarantine for a little while. Can't wait till you get back, but I hope everyone's feeling well if you're not here. And even if you are here, I hope you're feeling well. Invariably. Invariably. Next one. Scroll down a little bit past this ad. Sheaf. Sheaf, this is a word that you won't see all that much, but think of it as like a bundle. So oftentimes like a sheaf of hay, it'll be something, there's like some string that ties a bunch of things together. And you'll often hear it like on the farm. Um, yeah, hay, grain. I think though, I mean, just because of Stephen King, a sheaf of hair, he says, a sheaf of hair, which if you think of like grain or hay, hair, I mean, I, I don't have much on the top of my head anymore, but if uh, somebody has long hair, you know, it could be a sheaf of hair. And spoiler alert, if I remember correctly, it's a, a sheaf of hair that is hanging out of somebody's trunk. So a tie, a bundle of hair, like somebody's long hair in somebody's trunk. But we'll get to that later. The next one, let me make it a little bigger so you can see it, is peripheral. Not an easy word to say, just like invariably. Peripheral, peripheral. It means on the edge. And you can see there's a person, their eyes are right here. And we almost 
often talk about, you know, your peripheral vision. You see something just on the out of the corner of your eye. We call that your peripheral vision. If you, a lot of you will be driving soon, scary thought, but a lot of you will be driving, you know, practicing maybe as early as uh, next year, like as a freshman. So this time next year, you know, if you're turning 15, which I know some of you will be, somebody just had a birthday yesterday. I won't embarrass her on, you know who you are, November 3rd, um, invariably, Wait, no, we're not doing invariably, but invariably, many of you will be driving soon. And then uh, hopefully you have really good peripheral vision so you can see things out the corner of your eye. Just in case, you know, people walking by, you don't want to have tunnel vision. That's the opposite of peripheral vision. You don't want to have tunnel vision and just see what's in front of you. You want to be able to see what's on the side of you. And we would call that peripheral you could use it with a building or a person like um, um, the basketball courts or on the uh, peripheral of the school, like on the side of the school. Peripheral. Not easy to say. Next one. Come on now. This is basically review. Basically review. Right now, hopefully you've already taken vocabulary quiz number four because then you will know simultaneous. Same thing here simultaneously simultaneously you might hear that a bit more often let's make it big happening at the same time so it looks like that picture there that is that a kid it looks like it might be a kid well he is oh i thought that was uh it's just two water bottles so he is drinking from two water bottles simultaneously i thought that was ketchup and mustard I thought that he was pouring ketchup and mustard into his mouth simultaneously. Simultaneously. Um, let's get like super boring here. And you may already say, wow, this is, this is boring already. Well, I hope you're not saying that. Please don't say it out loud. That would hurt my feelings. But let's talk about what adverbs do. Simultaneously is an adverb. And so it describes like what verbs are doing. Real short definition there. It does some other things. But um, if you're doing something, you can do it simultaneously at the same time. So it describes verbs. Yeah, you can do something simultaneously. Um, you know, what I do quite a bit, I think I encourage you to, if, if it works for you, only if it works, but uh, music, I find it kind of calming. So a lot of times I will do my work while simultaneously listening to music. So a couple ways to use that. Maybe you might see that on the quiz. That's a good example. I might use one of those on a quiz simultaneously. The next one, preceded, preceded. Um, oftentimes, I mean, the first thing that popped into my, my mind for this one, it actually talks uh, uh, about death. Oh, a sad subject. But preceded it means came before so let's say um unfortunately you know let's say they're in their 90s older couple man and a woman okay older couple the way it works is usually the the man goes first right men just don't live as long as as women on average so if the guy dies before the woman in this couple 
it might say like when the woman dies, you might say that she was preceded by her husband. So like he went first. So in this school, on a little bit happier note, unless you think school is not happy, which you might think that you might hate school, right? Possibly it's middle school. Not many people like it. Um, but in this school, um, class B precedes class C. So comes before. Hope that makes sense. Oh, the next one, arduous, arduous. Let's make this a little bigger. We can check out the definition. Hard to do, requiring much effort. If something is arduous, it's hard to do. I hope watching this video right now, we're, we're at 10 minutes. I hope this is not arduous. It's hard to do. I hope it's kind of relaxing. You're getting some information. I hope it's not too boring. But a lot of times when something is boring, it's, it's even harder. So you could call it arduous. I hope the work in here isn't that arduous. I hope I've prepared you enough for the work so that when you do it, you're like, eh, it's not that bad. Not that bad. That's what these videos are, are designed to do. You get the information. And then when you get the assessment, it makes it a little bit easier, not as arduous. But I can imagine, like, um, my father uh, worked construction, right? He did a lot of digging. A lot of times the machine would help him. But, you know, sometimes you got to get out there and dig. That, that's arduous work. Um, I think teaching you know, can be arduous work. It's not physically hard, but mentally, you know, being a student right now, middle school, it could be arduous. You have, uh, what, five classes, can be pretty arduous. Another word that's not easy to say, arduous. All right, the next one. If you read any Stephen King at all, he loves this word, and uh, actually, so do I, but it's guttural. Guttural. Let's look at the definition. Produced in the throat, harsh, rasping, throaty. A lot of times, Stephen King a lot of people die in Stephen King books, right? A lot of times they die in horrific ways uh, or, or Stephen King movies, if you've watched any movies. Uh, but there will often be like a guttural sound as someone is punched or worse, you know, a guttural sound. It's a sound that comes deep within the throat, almost like the gut, like the gut. It has nothing to do with gut, I don't think. But uh, it has more to do with the, the throat or the, maybe the gullet. Some, sometimes uh, I don't want to make this too confused. I don't think it has anything to do with gullet either. But if that helps you remember, uh, I think for some animals, like their throat is called their gullet. Maybe from people too. But uh, if that helps you, guttural. It comes deep within a guttural noise. It's a good word to know. Good word to know. Another good word to know, especially for this time of year, because it is getting cold. When I woke up this morning, I think it was 24 degrees. So if you have a wood stove at your house, you might also have kindling. Kindling. And you can see the definition right here. Dry sticks of wood used to start a fire. So you can't put, you might know this from having a campfire or whatever, or if you have a, a wood stove at home. You can't just put the whole big chunks of wood in the stove at first. They'll never burn. Even if you put newspaper in there, you got to put the little dry sticks of, of wood in there first. 
they're more likely to catch on fire. And those dry sticks we call kindling. Really great for starting a fire. Kindling wood. Kindling wood. Next one. Premonition. Premonition. I hear some people in the next room. I hope you don't. Being very loud. Maybe I need to uh, move. Maybe I'll move seats. Let's see. Let's do it. Let's move seats. I'll move to the back of the room. I don't want to say who's making some noise back there, but you might know who's back there. Let's go right here. How's the lighting? Oh, man. There's a shine on my forehead. I wish I had more hair up there, but I don't. All right. Maybe I'll sit right here. What's the next one? Premonition. Premonition. Um, if you have ever seen the word pre, well, it's not a word, but the, the prefix pre, you might know what pre means. Do you? Pre? I'm, I'm hoping you're watching this for the quiz. So like you're preparing for the quiz. Pre. Pre-read, maybe. You know, a lot of times we pre-read the questions before we actually, how's this? Quite the glare. But pre means before. Pre means before. So a premonition. Anytime you see pre at the beginning of a word, like a prefix, prefix, it means before. So a pregame. Before you play the game, you might do some warm-ups. You might do some stretching or something like that. Coach might give you a pep talk during the pregame. A premonition, pronounced just a little bit differently there, but uh, it's a forewarning a feeling that something bad is about to happen. Okay. It's a premonition. You can see this person has a crystal ball. Well, you don't need a crystal ball to have a premonition, but it might help. If you're reading a Stephen King book, the minute you start reading, you should have a premonition, like something bad is going to go down, right? Almost inevitably, invariably, uh, bad things happen in Stephen King books. That's why we read them. We like to, to learn the bad things. But you might just wake up. I hope you didn't have a premonition. that. Uh, and it's always bad, right? It's always bad. It's never like a, you have a thought that good things are going to happen. You have a premonition. It's like um, bad things. Well, in the definition, it doesn't say bad. But it's almost, it's invariably bad. It's almost always bad. Uh, but you might have a premonition that uh, something bad's going to happen. It's just like, uh, you know, you get that funny feeling. Maybe you woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Like, uh, today's going to be a bad day. But I do this to myself all the, all, all the time. I lie to myself. I say, hey, today's going to be a great day. And guess what? I believe that lie. And guess what? It's usually a pretty good day. All right. Hope that helps. Premonition. Premonition. The next one, sterile. Oh, we know this probably pretty well after the whole COVID thing, but you want the hospital to be sterile. Um, ideally, you want your desk to be pretty sterile, but we would only use this for like super clean places, most likely a hospital room, a doctor's office. So you can see that person washing their hands, sterile. I can guarantee you that probably after the first couple classes, you know, there's just so many of us in the same room that uh, classrooms are not a sterile environment. Now, hopefully your hospital room, like I, you wouldn't even call your bedroom sterile. It's like super over the top clean. 
keep it to like hospital rooms and doctor's offices. How about that? Uh, you could have hopefully the needle you're using to get the shot. You want that thing to be sterile. You know, you don't want the needle to be injecting any germs into your, to your body. So sterile. Next one is gate. Gate. Look at the, how many more do we have? Oh, we don't have many more. Okay. This is going a bit long. This might be a 20 minute one, but we do have 15 words. So the next one is gate. That's the way a person or an animal walks. You can see this person. Uh, they have a, I would say they have a long stride or a long gait. And it looks like, I don't even know if that's a dog that man is walking, but it looks like a hamster. What is that thing? Hedgehog. No, I don't know. It's probably a dog. But a lot of times if you um, ever, let me make that a little bigger. I don't know if um, you ever watch like a dog show. There's a tradition my family has on Thanksgiving. We'll watch the dog show. And they often talk about the dog's gait, how it walks. All right. Hopefully that's a good one. Hopefully not too bad. Feral. Feral. It is wild, savage, untamed. The most common way I hear feral is with cats. So if the cat doesn't have a home and it's out hunting every night, you might call it a feral cat. If you try to pet that cat, it might scratch the crap out of you. So um, very sad, but, and luckily very rare, but there have been some cases of feral children. It's pretty scary, but some major abuse has gone on. Like there was a girl um, found, I almost think it was in the city of Philadelphia, but basically her parents, like some of the most extreme abuse ever, and they kept her in a closet for like until she was 13, until she was rescued from this house, you know, she had very little contact with people. I think they fed her food, just kind of dropped it in the closet. She didn't see light. Um, so she never, I don't believe she ever acquired language, a feral child. I don't think she ever was able to speak. Um, I think her gait was not the normal gait of a person. I think she walked on all fours. I could be wrong. I did a little research on her when I was younger and it was just a fascinating topic. So sad, but you can't have feral cats. I think that's where you'll hear it most of the time. And then unfortunately there is something called uh, feral children, but luckily I can only think of like five or six times it's happened. I think one time in France, it was like a, a boy dumped in the woods and somehow he survived yeah but he was older uh when he, he was found i think he was dumped in the woods maybe when he was five and he was found when he was like 13 or something like that feral children there's the thought if you don't acquire language by a certain age you never will acquire language there's something in our brains when we're younger at a very young age but anyways uh sad topic counterproductive is the next one counterproductive so it's actually having the opposite effect of something it's like better if you didn't do it at all got a real quick story here as we go on to the 21 minute mark um i tried to fix my refrigerator a couple weekends ago and it didn't work i made it worse it was actually better 
if I didn't touch the thing at all. It was leaking a little bit of water. So I watched a YouTube video, thought I could fix it. Actually made it worse. So the fact that I tried to fix my fridge, it was counterproductive. It leaks more now. So I'm pretty sure we need a new fridge. So think about that. It's better if you don't do it at all. It's counterproductive. So let's say there was some research that came out. You know, we start school at 7.15. Maybe research comes out and says, you know what? If we start at 6.15, students will do better in school. Well, we try it out. And if students do worse, well, starting an hour earlier, that would have been counterproductive. Yeah, so counterproductive. And the last thing, you might see this on a, um, what do we call those things? Submarines? Submarines? It's a periscope. See this boy right here? Maybe a... This person, I don't want to assume a gender. It looks like a boy, but maybe not a boy. This uh, young child, maybe I don't want to assume his age either. Maybe this is actually an older person, and then they just look young. This person right here is looking through a periscope. Yeah, so um, I can't really, well, I can't really point to it, can I? You can't see me point to it, no. But um, they're looking at something uh, below, but they're actually seeing something like way above them. So periscopes work best on a submarine probably. You're under the water, but the periscope allows you to see above the water. How about that? 23 minutes. Man, that's a lot of time to listen to one person. So hopefully, let me give me, hopefully that was helpful. Hopefully you watch this a couple times. You become an expert at these words. When you take the quiz, you will uh, invariably crush it. All right, thanks. Hello, hope everyone's doing well. We were going to do the poetry thing today, start reading some poetry, but guess what? Technology wasn't cooperating, so we have to do something else. We'll, so what we're going to do today is what we were going to do on Monday. We're just reversing it. So you remember that? Number five, we are going to go over some words for the short story that we're going to read after Christ cross. So we'll get the difficult vocabulary down about a month or two in advance, though. So these words are something that we can work with for a little while. And then when we get to the story, you'll be like, oh, I know that word now. So hope you're all doing well. This will probably take about 15 minutes, maybe a little less. But there are 15 words here, 15 words for Gingerbread Girl, short story by Stephen King. Should be pretty amazing. I've read it with, oh, I don't know, 15 classes probably throughout the years. Usually pretty popular. So let's get the, I mean, it's Stephen King. How can you go wrong? So let's get these words up here. I can make myself really small. We have an ad for a new Disney movie that's coming out. Seems like Disney's always coming out with a new movie, right? Most of them are good. I don't know about Encanto. It could be. It could be maybe Spanish. It sounds almost Italian there, Encanto. Anyways, let's worry about the words that we actually have to study here. Remember, uh, not a summative, but uh, formative. 32 points, though. So uh, it can hurt your grade if you don't turn it in. So over the next couple days, hopefully you'll be watching this a couple times and... 
filling this out. And of course, if you need any help, I'm here. But the first one is Palmetto. Palmetto. And there's a picture here. It's just, you know, it's a small palm tree. We don't have them growing here in Maine because it is far too cold. But if you ever go to South Carolina, I do recommend it. It's a pretty cool state. When I used to go there, there was a very inexpensive gas, very cheap gas, 97 cents a gallon. But South Carolina is the Palmetto state. And you might see some Palmetto trees. Gingerbread Girl takes place in Florida. So you'll definitely see some Palmetto trees in Florida. The next one is invariably, invariably. And it means always without changing. So invariably, it will snow this winter, right? I mean, it's got, it's Maine. I mean, each winter, it seems like we get less and less snow, but invariably it will snow. Maybe not until January, but it always snows, invariably snows. Um, man, it seems like, let me just, let me just rant here for a second. Although I don't think it happened yesterday, but it seems like during class, we will invariably be interrupted, invariably be interrupted by announcements, right? It was just a picture retake. I was a little upset that day, but hopefully they, I don't think um, we were interrupted at all yesterday, but it seems like invariably we'll be up interrupted and invariably I'll get upset over the interruption. So it's just, it's going to happen. It's bound to happen invariably. Um, I don't know. It seems like over the winter, right? Invariably, like someone will get sick. A lot of you are watching, I hope, at home, following right along with class. I know most of you aren't sick. You just you just had to quarantine for a little while. Can't wait till you get back, but I hope everyone's feeling well if you're not here. And even if you are here, I hope you're feeling well, invariably, invariably. Next one, scroll down a little bit past this ad. Sheaf. Sheaf, this is a word that you won't see all that much, but think of it as like a bundle. So oftentimes like a sheaf of hay, it'll be something, there's like some string that ties a bunch of things together. And you'll often hear it like on the farm. Um, yeah, hay, grain. I think though, I mean, just because of Stephen King, a sheaf of hair, he says, a sheaf of hair, which if you think of like grain or hay, hair, I mean, I, I don't have much on the top of my head anymore, but if uh, somebody has long hair, you know, it could be a sheaf of hair. And spoiler alert, if I remember correctly, it's a, a sheaf of hair that is hanging out of somebody's trunk. So a tie, a bundle of hair, like somebody's long hair in somebody's trunk. But we'll get to that later. The next one, let me make it a little bigger so you can see it, is peripheral. Not an easy word to say, just like invariably. Peripheral, peripheral. It means on the edge. And you can see there is a person, their eyes are right here. And we almost often talk about, you know, your peripheral vision. You see something just on the, out of the corner of your eye. We call that your peripheral vision. If you, a lot of you will be driving soon, scary thought, but a lot of you will be driving, you know, practicing maybe as early as uh, next year, like as a freshman. So this time next year, you know, if you're turning 15, 
which I know some of you will be. Somebody just had a birthday yesterday. I won't embarrass her on, you know who you are, November 3rd. Um, invariably, wait, no, we're not doing invariably, but invariably, many of you will be driving soon. And then uh, hopefully you have really good peripheral vision so you can see things out the corner of your eye. Just in case, you know, people walking by, you don't want to have tunnel vision. That's the opposite of peripheral vision. You don't want to have tunnel vision and just see what's in front of you. You want to be able to see what's on the side of you. And we would call that peripheral. You could use it with a building or a person like um, um, the basketball courts or on the uh, peripheral of the school, like on the side of the school. Peripheral. Not easy to say. Next one. Come on now. This is basically review. Basically review. Right now, hopefully you've already taken vocabulary quiz number four, because then you'll know simultaneous. Same thing here. Simultaneously. Simultaneously. You might hear that a bit more often. Let's make it big. Happening at the same time. So it looks like that picture there. That is that a kid? It looks like it might be a kid. Well, he is. Oh, I thought that was. Uh, it's just two water bottles. So he is drinking from two water bottles simultaneously. I thought that was ketchup and mustard. I thought that he was pouring ketchup and mustard into his mouth simultaneously. Simultaneously. Um, let's get like super boring here. And you may already say, "Wow, this is this is boring already." Well. I hope you're not saying that. Please don't say it out loud. That would hurt my feelings. But let's talk about what adverbs do. Simultaneously is an adverb. And so it describes like what verbs are doing. Real short definition there. It does some other things. But um, if you're doing something, you can do it simultaneously at the same time. So it describes verbs. Yeah, you can do something simultaneously. Um, you know, what I do quite a bit, I think I encourage you to, if, if it works for you, only if it works, but uh, music, I find it kind of calming. So a lot of times I will do my work while simultaneously listening to music. So a couple ways to use that. Maybe you might see that on the quiz. That's a good example. I might use one of those on a quiz simultaneously. The next one, preceded, preceded. Um, oftentimes, I mean, the first thing that popped into my, my mind for this one, it actually talks uh, uh, about death. Oh, a sad subject. But preceded, it means came before. So let's say, um, unfortunately, you know, let's say they're in their 90s. Older couple, man and a woman, okay, older couple. The way it works is usually the, the man goes first, right? Men just don't live as long as, as women on average. So if the guy dies before the woman in this couple, it might say like when the woman dies, you might say that she was preceded by her husband. So like he went first. So in this school, on a little bit of happier note, unless you think school's not happy, which you might think that, you might hate school, right? Possibly. It's middle school. Not many people like it. Um, but in this school, um, class B precedes class C. So comes before. 
Hope that makes sense. Oh, the next one, arduous, arduous. Let's make this a little bigger. We can check out the definition. Hard to do, requiring much effort. If something is arduous, it's hard to do. I hope watching this video right now, we're, we're at 10 minutes. I hope this is not arduous. It's hard to do. I hope it's kind of relaxing. You're getting some information. I hope it's not too boring. But a lot of times when something is boring, it's, it's even harder. So you could call it arduous. I hope the work in here isn't that arduous. I hope I've prepared you enough for the work so that when you do it, you're like, eh, it's not that bad. Not that bad. That's what these videos are, are designed to do. You get the information. And then when you get the assessment, it makes it a little bit easier, not as arduous. But I can imagine, like, um, my father uh, worked construction, right? He did a lot of digging. A lot of times the machine would help him. But, you know, sometimes you got to get out there and dig. That, that's arduous work. Um, I think teaching you know, can be arduous work. It's not physically hard, but mentally, you know, being a student right now, middle school, it could be arduous. You have, uh, what, five classes, can be pretty arduous. Another word that's not easy to say, arduous. All right, the next one. If you read any Stephen King at all, he loves this word, and uh, actually, so do I, but it's guttural. Guttural. Let's look at the definition. Produced in the throat, harsh, rasping, throaty. A lot of times, Stephen King a lot of people die in Stephen King books, right? A lot of times they die in horrific ways uh, or, or Stephen King movies, if you've watched any movies. Uh, but there will often be like a guttural sound as someone is punched or worse, you know, a guttural sound. It's a sound that comes deep within the throat, almost like the gut, like the gut. It has nothing to do with gut, I don't think. But uh, it has more to do with the, the throat or the, maybe the gullet. Some, sometimes uh, I don't want to make this too confused. I don't think it has anything to do with gullet either. But if that helps you remember, uh, I think for some animals, like their throat is called their gullet. Maybe from people too. But uh, if that helps you, guttural. It comes deep within a guttural noise. It's a good word to know. Good word to know. Another good word to know, especially for this time of year, because it is getting cold. When I woke up this morning, I think it was 24 degrees. So if you have a wood stove at your house, you might also have kindling. Kindling. And you can see the definition right here. Dry sticks of wood used to start a fire. So you can't put, you might know this from having a campfire or whatever, or if you have a, a wood stove at home. You can't just put the whole big chunks of wood in the stove at first. They'll never burn. Even if you put newspaper in there, you got to put the little dry sticks of, of wood in there first. They're more likely to catch on fire. And those dry sticks we call kindling. Really great for starting a fire. Kindling wood. Kindling wood. Next one. Premonition. Premonition. Here's some people in the next room. I hope you don't, being very loud. Maybe I need to uh, move. Maybe I'll move seats. Let's see. Let's do it. Let's move seats. I'll move to the back of the room. I don't want to say who's making some noise back there, but 
you might know who's back there. Let's go right here. How's the lighting? Oh, man. There's a shine on my forehead. I wish I had more hair up there. But I don't. All right, maybe I'll sit right here. What's the next one? Premonition. Premonition. Um, if you have ever seen the word pre, well, it's not a word, but the, the prefix pre, you might know what pre means. Do you? Pre? I'm, I'm hoping you're watching this for the quiz. So like you're preparing for the quiz. Pre. Pre-read, maybe. You know, a lot of times we pre-read the questions before we actually, how's this? Quite the glare. But pre means before. Pre means before. So a premonition. Anytime you see pre at the beginning of a word, like a prefix, prefix, it means before. So a pregame, before you play the game, you might do some warm-ups. You might do some stretching or something like that. Coach might give you a pep talk during the pregame. A premonition, pronounced just a little bit differently there, but uh, it's a forewarning uh, feeling that something bad is about to happen. Okay, it's a premonition. You can see this person has a crystal ball. Well, you don't need a crystal ball to have a premonition, but it might help. If you're reading a Stephen King book, the minute you start reading, you should have a premonition, like something bad is going to go down, right? Almost inevitably, invariably, uh, bad things happen in Stephen King books. That's why we read them. We like to, to learn the bad things. But you might just wake up. I hope you didn't have a premonition. that, uh, And it's always bad, right? It's always bad. It's never like a, you have a thought that good things are going to happen. You have a premonition. It's like um, bad things. Well, in the definition, it doesn't say bad, but it's almost, it's invariably bad. It's almost always bad. Uh, but you might have a premonition that uh, something bad's going to happen. It's just like, uh, you know, you get that funny feeling. Maybe you woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Like, uh, today's going to be a bad day. But I do this to myself all the, all, all the time. I lie to myself. I say, hey, today's going to be a great day. And guess what? I believe that lie. And guess what? It's usually a pretty good day. All right. Hope that helps. Premonition. Premonition. The next one, sterile. Oh, we know this probably pretty well after the whole COVID thing. But you want the hospital to be sterile. Um, ideally, you want your desk to be pretty sterile. But we would only use this for like super clean places, most likely a hospital room, a doctor's office. So you can see that person washing their hands, sterile. I can guarantee you that probably after the first couple classes, you know, there's just so many of us in the same room that uh, classrooms are not a sterile environment. Now, hopefully your hospital room, like I, you wouldn't even call your bedroom sterile. It's like super over the top clean. Keep it to like hospital rooms and doctor's offices. How about that? Uh, you could have hopefully the needle you're using to get the shot. You want that thing to be sterile. You know, you don't want the, needle to be injecting any germs into your to your body so sterile next one is gate gate look at the how many more do we have oh we don't have many more okay this is going a bit long this might be a 20 minute one but we do have 15 words so the next one is gate 
That's the way a person or an animal walks. You can see this person. Uh, they have a, I would say they have a long stride or a long gait. And it looks like, I don't even know if that's a dog that man is walking, but it looks like a hamster. What is that thing? Hedgehog. No, I don't know. It's probably a dog. But a lot of times if you um, ever, let me make that a little bigger. I don't know if um, you ever watch like a dog show. There's a tradition my family has on Thanksgiving. We'll watch the dog show. And they often talk about the dog's gait, how it walks. All right. Hopefully that's a good one. Hopefully not too bad. Feral. Feral. It is wild, savage, untamed. The most common way I hear feral is with cats. So if the cat doesn't have a home and it's out hunting every night, might call it a feral cat. If you try to pet that cat, it might scratch the crap out of you. So um, very sad, but and luckily very rare. But there have been some cases of feral children. It's pretty scary, but some major abuse has gone on. Like there was a girl um, found, I almost think it was in the city of Philadelphia, but basically her parents, like some of the most extreme abuse ever. And they kept her in a closet for like until she was 13, until she was rescued from this house. You know, she had very little contact with people. I think they fed her food, just kind of dropped in the closet. She didn't see light. Um, so she never, I don't believe she ever acquired language, a feral child. I don't think she ever was able to speak. Um, I think her gait was not the normal gait of a person. I think she walked on all fours. I could be wrong. I did a little research on her when I was younger and it was just a fascinating topic. It's so sad, but you can't have feral cats. I think that's where you'll hear it most of the time. And then unfortunately, there is something called uh, feral children. But luckily, I can only think of like five or six times it's happened. I think one time in France, it was like a, a boy dumped in the woods and somehow he survived. Yeah, but he was older uh, when he, he was found. I think he was dumped in the woods maybe when he was five and he was found when he was like 13 or something like that. Feral children. There's... The thought, if you don't acquire language by a certain age, you never will acquire language. There's something in our brains when we're younger, at a very young age. But anyways, uh, sad topic. Counterproductive is the next one. Counterproductive. So it's actually having the opposite effect of something. It's like better if you didn't do it at all. Got a real quick story here as we go on to the 21-minute mark. Um, I tried to fix my refrigerator a couple weekends ago and it didn't work. I made it worse. It was actually better if I didn't touch the thing at all. It was leaking a little bit of water. So I watched a YouTube video, thought I could fix it, actually made it worse. So the fact that I tried to fix my fridge, it was counterproductive. It leaks more now. So I'm pretty sure we need a new fridge. So think about that. It's better if you don't do it at all. It's counterproductive. So let's say there was some research that came out. You know, we start school at 715. 
maybe research comes out and says, you know what? If we start at 6.15, students will do better in school. Well, we tried out. And if students do worse, well, starting an hour earlier, that would have been counterproductive. Yeah, so counterproductive. And the last thing, you might see this on a, um, what do we call those things? Submarines? Submarines? It's Periscope. See this boy right here? Maybe uh, this person. I don't want to assume a gender. It looks like a boy, but maybe not a boy. This uh, young child, maybe I don't want to assume his age either. Maybe this is actually an older person, and then they just look young. This person right here is looking through a periscope. Yeah. So um, I can't really, well, I can't really point to it, can I? You can't see me point to it, no. But um, they're looking at something uh, below, but they're actually seeing something like way above them. So periscopes work best on a submarine, probably. You're under the water, but the periscope allows you to see above the water. How about that? 23 minutes. Man, that's a lot of time to listen to one person. So hopefully, let me give me, hopefully that was helpful. Hopefully you watch this a couple times. You become an expert at these words. When you take the quiz, you will uh, invariably crush it. All right. Thanks. Hello there. We're live. Yeah, it is a couple minutes early. Um, the time has been a little strange because it was supposed to be earlier today, but then I had to move it to a little bit later just because it's such a busy day. There are only a few hours before Thanksgiving starts, and uh, my family and I have been running around all morning trying to get things done, and I have some things to do after this. So I thought we'll start a little early. A lot of people hopefully will watch it on replay. So shout out to everyone watching on replay. If you're watching live, hello, probably not too many people live. And if you're listening on the podcast, well, I hope you're doing well. Um, if this is your first time here, my name is Brent. This is American English with this guy. And today you are going to learn a lot about Thanksgiving. Now here in the United States, we don't call it American Thanksgiving. We just say Thanksgiving. I think if you're in Canada, they might call it American Thanksgiving. Canada does have their own Thanksgiving too. It's about six weeks before the American Thanksgiving. We just call it Thanksgiving. So um, I think I have about 23 slides we'll talk about. Some will take a little longer than others. I'll have a few stories to share. Alina, how are you? Hey, I do want to talk about, um, it's not on the screen anymore, but Mega became a member again. So before I have to do this, before we go too far. New member, make sure you check the members tab for the discord, the members chat and the bonus videos. Yeah. So we have a, a discord server for members. Actually, I have a couple questions today from the discord server, but yeah, if you want a little extra English, check that out. Check me out on Instagram too. I've been posting a lot this morning about some of the places I have been for Thanksgiving. One place was Walmart. We needed cranberry sauce. That's one of the slides. So let's get right into this. That's not the first slide. This is the first slide. It just says Thanksgiving. 
it says Thanksgiving right there. And you can see if you're watching on YouTube, a couple turkeys there. Turkey. We're going to talk a lot about turkey today. And in the, in the middle, there is um, what looks like a pilgrim. I can make that a little bit bigger. But, and we're going to talk about pilgrims too. We're going to go over a little bit of the history of Thanksgiving, or at least what students are told in their classrooms about Thanksgiving. I'm not sure how much of that is true, but there is the Thanksgiving slide. And the next slide is something that I like to call the three F's of Thanksgiving. And that would be food, family, and football. We're going to talk a lot about food in this English lesson. We'll talk quite a bit about family. We won't talk all that much about football. So let me talk about that right now. And when I say football, you might call it American football. But if you can see that slide right there, all the way to the right, yeah, that's the kind of football we're talking about right there. So every Thanksgiving in the afternoon, there are football games on. And one team that always plays is the Dallas Cowboys. Another team that always plays is the Detroit Lions. And it's been a tradition probably for close to 50, 60 years that there is football on the TV while people are enjoying their Thanksgiving. So football is a big part of Thanksgiving for a lot of families. Not all families, but a lot of families. The next slide right there. Getting into a little bit of the history of Thanksgiving, we have pilgrims. Okay. And you can see the way they're dressed. They have those hats. The men wear those hats. They have a belt buckle on their hat. It's probably not a belt buckle, but we will talk more about belt buckles later on after the food. But if you can see that little, we might call him a, a little figurine. He might go on a table for Thanksgiving, but you can see he's got a little buckle on his hat. It looks almost like a belt buckle. Well, back in the early 1600s, we, we might say the year 1620, there were some people who came from Europe. Okay, They came from England to be specific. And we call them pilgrims. I don't know if they called themselves pilgrims, but they came to the new world. That's what we call it. North America and South America. Even though there were Native Americans living here, we'll talk about them in a minute, but pilgrims came here. They had a pretty rough go. It's, I don't know if you know, but it's cold where I live. So I live in Maine. The pilgrims came just a little south of where I live to a place called Massachusetts. Massachusetts. That's the state that Boston is in. If you've ever heard of that town. Well, they came to a place we now call Plymouth, Plymouth, Massachusetts, and it was cold. They had a rough go. There were some people that died because they came over here and they starved and they froze. Well, they came over on a ship called the Mayflower. 
A lot of uh, kids in school are taught about the Mayflower. That's the ship that the pilgrims sailed on to get here to the new world. And they were having such a difficult time that one year, I don't know what year after 1620 when they arrived, some Native Americans helped them out. So children are taught in school that the first Thanksgiving in North America, it wasn't the United States yet, was when the pilgrims, and sometimes you will hear them called Indians, but we know now that Indians live in the country of India. So that group of people who were here before Europeans came are known as Native Americans. Sometimes they are known by their tribe. If you know the tribe, you could say the tribe, the, the Cherokee or the Passamaquoddy, that's, or the Wabanaki. Those are the Wabanaki and the Passamaquoddy are two of the most famous tribes near where I live. But Native Americans and pilgrims sitting down to have lunch is what's known as the first Thanksgiving. Now, how much of that is true, I don't know. I'm just saying what we're taught in school isn't always the truth. And if you know anything about American history, well, when Europeans came to the New World, they weren't always so nice to Native Americans, which is why there are not as many Native Americans today as there once was. So Native Americans, and that is some very typical, maybe even stereotypical, hang on, maybe stereotypical dress for Native Americans. Not all Native Americans would dress like that. But I think when you ask a lot of Americans, what does a Native American look like? They might say something like that. And that little structure right next to the person, we call that structure a teepee. So that's a little history of what students are taught when they're young about Thanksgiving. Again, is it a myth? How much of that is actually true? I don't know. But let's get to some present day stuff when we talk about Thanksgiving. To some, Thanksgiving is the beginning of the holiday season. And in the United States, right at the end of the year, we have quite a few major holidays. If you ask some people, maybe myself, I would say that Halloween is the start of the holiday season. Halloween was just a few weeks ago. We celebrated Halloween on October 31st, but some people say it's Thanksgiving. So Thanksgiving is tomorrow in this country. And then not too long after that, there are three kind of religious holidays. One is called Kwanzaa, maybe not so religious, but some Americans celebrate a holiday called Kwanzaa at the end of December. Some Americans will celebrate a holiday called Hanukkah towards the beginning of December. And other Americans will celebrate Christmas at the end of December. So you have Thanksgiving, three 
other holidays and the holiday season usually ends with New Year's Eve, which in this country, and I think most countries around the world will be on January 1st. I know if you live in Iran, the calendar is a little different. I think a couple other countries too, maybe Afghanistan. And I know in China, there's also another holiday for the new year. But I think most of us in the world recognize January 1st as a holiday to celebrate the new year. So Thanksgiving is often the beginning of the holiday season. Let me just check the chat to see who's here. Hey, Franklin, how are you? Sita, so glad you could make it. How are you? Hey, Moscow is is in the house. Welcome, welcome. Russia is definitely in the house. Look at that. Alina, how are you? Constantine is here. Marco, how are you? Welcome, everybody. Welcome. And uh, Linda said she could not join us right now, but I want to say hey to Linda watching on replay i'm sure we were speaking on the discord server and she said that uh, she and her daughter will sometimes maybe every year celebrate american thanksgiving or like i said in the united states we just say thanksgiving thanksgiving and um amina stopped by a little earlier to say hello so hello everyone all right, let's continue on with the lesson. Wait, wait, hang on. Linda is here. Hey, how are you? Hey, France is here. What's up, Danny? Happy Thanksgiving to all of you who celebrate it. On my Instagram, I did put up a poll. Do you celebrate Thanksgiving? I think 11% of the people who answered said yes. So most people around the world, I guess, do not celebrate Thanksgiving. I guess if you really like the United States, you might. Or if you live in the United States, you might. With that, what? Whatchamacallit? Oh, Constantine. Not part of the Thanksgiving lesson, but since Constantine is a member, we will make an exception. His question is, please explain what whatchamacallit means and how do you use it? Um, a couple months ago, I think I did a lesson on silly words in English, and I think this was one of them, that along with thingamajig, thingamajig. The way we use whatchamacallit is when we don't know the name of something. For instance, that's probably most of us know this is a mug or a cup, but if you forgot the English word, for this, you can say, uh, this, uh, you know, this thingamajig, whatever you call it, this, we, we often use it for little things that we don't know the name of. Yeah. So, uh, that little thingamajig, that little thingamajig, um, sometimes when there's like a little button on something, you might say, ah, can you, can you just push that thingamajig, whatever that's called? Yeah. Hope that's, hope that helps. Ah, and Korea's in the house. Stacy. Hope you're doing well. Oh, we don't want to get Sita in trouble. She's at work. Yeah, I knew this would not be a great time for a lot of people. It's in the middle of the work day. If you live in North and South America, if you're watching from India, I know Mega is uh, maybe watching on replay. It's really late. Korea, isn't it really late for you? 
So I'm sorry to be going so late. Maybe in Europe, it's not too bad, but hey, Radu, how are you? Any Watt is here. Hey, welcome, welcome. All right, back to the lesson. We got something here. So it is the beginning of the holiday season for a lot of people. And Thanksgiving, I think it was Linda I was talking to in the Discord, thought that at one time, she thought that it was just a day to eat food. And then she realized that, yes, food is important. We will get to that in a minute. But it is also a day to pause, to stop, and think about what you are thankful for. Sometimes at the dinner table, while people are having their Thanksgiving dinner, people might express that out loud. Like, I am thankful for... And if you look at those pictures, it might be their health. A lot of people are thankful for their health on Thanksgiving if they're healthy. They also might be thankful for their family if they are um, thankful for anything. On Thanksgiving, health and family are two of the most common things to be thankful for. A lot of times people are just thankful for having some food, some good food to eat, often with their family. Maybe they got some football on the TV in the background. Oh, Mega is here? Hey, Mega. Glad you can make it. So so not as late as I thought. 10.02, I guess it is there. The significance of Thanksgiving is encap- encapsulated in the beauty of the delicious turkey. Oh, We will get to that turkey. That's a really good sentence. I'm going to read that again. The significance, so the importance of Thanksgiving. The significance of Thanksgiving is encapsulated in the beauty of the delicious turkey. (laughs) That's true. That's true. We're getting to that turkey. We're getting to that turkey. All right, so Sita will not get in trouble. That's good to know. That's good to know. Anywat is a night owl. Ooh, I'm an early bird. I was up at 5 a.m. this morning getting ready to go to Walmart. If you check my Instagram, I put some pictures up of Walmart. Jamie and I went really early this morning to beat the crowd, to get all of our shopping done for Thanksgiving, to get back here. All right. 7.30 in Russia. Not too bad. Okay. Let's get to some more studying here. The next one, cornucopia, cornucopia. So if you look in the middle of this slide, there is that thing. Maybe it looks almost like a basket. We might call this a woven basket, but its shape lets us know this is a cornucopia. Not an easy word to say, cornucopia. So a cornucopia is often paired with Thanksgiving and it is often full of stuff. And you can see this cornucopia is full of fruit. So also you might hear cornucopia when there is a lot of something. So you can say, wow, there is a cornucopia of candy in my house. So it's just like a lot of it, but that I think you only hear that 
like the actual cornucopia with Thanksgiving. So that's why I wanted to include it in the slide. And it is tough to say. So cornucopia, cornucopia, cornucopia. Argentina is in the house. Welcome. Welcome. The next slide is what I am doing this year with Jamie. We are hosting Thanksgiving. We are hosting Thanksgiving. So if you host Thanksgiving, that means it's at your house. So for the first time ever, I think Jamie and I are hosting Thanksgiving. So what that means is that my mom will come to my house. My brother, his wife, and his son will come to my house for Thanksgiving. My sister, her husband, their son will come to my house for Thanksgiving. I think my brother-in-law's mom will come to my house for Thanksgiving. My brother-in-law's mom is my sister's mother-in-law. That's pretty difficult. And then maybe one of my friends from high school, he might come to my house. We'll see. Linda, Linda, thank you so much for the super chat. I got a little something for you here. Hey, thank you so much for the super chat. Yeah, that is so nice, Linda. I think you gave one last week too. So thank you so much. It does help with the channel helps pay for some some of the streaming software that I'm using, new cameras, stuff like that. So thank you so much. I also have to pay for this this streaming software. I get a little discount, but thank you so much. I appreciate that. I am thankful for your super chat. Thank you so much. Hosting Thanksgiving. So that means that's why I'm so busy this year. It used to be at my sister's house. She used to host Thanksgiving, but, and she only lives or she lived about 15 minutes from me. So it was really easy to get to her house. But this fall, she sold her house and now she's living in a different town in an apartment. So she's waiting to buy another house this spring. So they moved to a different city. She does. She only has a small apartment, so it wouldn't be a good place to host like maybe 15 people for Thanksgiving. So that's why everyone is coming to my house and I need to clean up my house, get it all ready for um, Thanksgiving. Luckily, I don't have to cook the turkey. We're getting to food. Trust me. My mom is cooking the turkey and she will bring it to my house. My mom doesn't live too far from me. Oftentimes on Thanksgiving, different generations will get together, different generations. So what that means is that my generation is my brother and my sister. So your siblings, they are about the same age. The generation older than me is my mom and my father when he was alive, my uncles, my aunts, 
that's the next generation above me. Two generations above me would be my grandparents and their brothers and sisters. And the generation below me are my children and my nephews and my nieces. So different generations will get together. I do not have any grandchildren yet. My kids are too young for having their own kids. So no grandchildren for me yet, but that would be the generation, two generations below mine. So any of the grandchildren, any what channel member has a question. Hey, Faith, how are you? I'm curious about who hosts the Thanksgiving party in your family. If you have a brother, sister, and parents who live in another place, look at that. I didn't even know you would ask that question, but I already answered it. Yeah. So I am lucky. My family, we all live really close. The people, so my side of the family, the people that I am related to, they all live really close. Now, Jamie's family, her side of the family, they all live in the Southern part of the United States. Sometimes we call it the American South. So I think most of them live in the state of Alabama. So her side of the family mostly lives in Alabama. So we don't get to see them for Thanksgiving very often. It's been a little while. Thanksgiving is often a very busy time to travel in the United States. Like today, Wednesday, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving is one of the busiest travel days in the United States. But if you have to travel really far, the vacation for Thanksgiving usually goes from Wednesday, if you're lucky, until Sunday. If people are going to travel to see family or friends a really far distance, like from Maine, where I live in the northern part of the United States, to the southern part, they might save that travel for Christmas. Not all Americans celebrate Christmas, but most Americans will have quite a bit of vacation time during the Christmas season to New Year's. So sometimes it can be two weeks for Christmas, especially for teachers like my wife and I. So I hope that helps. If it's correct English, it would be like my wife and me. I usually goes the beginning of a sentence. Me usually goes at the end. If you are just joining us, I did start a little early. I have a lot to do to get ready because I am hosting Thanksgiving this year. My sister usually hosts Thanksgiving, but she is in between houses right now. So she sold her house. She's waiting to buy another house. And right now she's living in a very small apartment, not a good place to host Thanksgiving. Thank you for the question. Any what? Right. Back Nightbot. Come on, man. Marco isn't spamming. Come on. Come on. Alex, how are you, my friend? Hope all is well. All right. Let's get back to the lesson. Generations is where we ended. The next slide is meal preparation. 
or you might hear this called meal prep, meal prep, but somebody has to prepare the meal. So prepare is the verb preparation is the noun. So a big part of Thanksgiving is meal preparation. Now in my family, because I do have a brother and a sister and a mother, we're each responsible for different parts of the meal. So my mother always cooks the turkey. And she told me this morning, I saw her this morning, she has a 22-pound turkey. So I don't know what that is in kilograms, but a 22-pound turkey, I guess, is pretty big. It will feed a whole lot of people. And we should have leftovers. We'll get to leftovers in a little bit. But a big part of Thanksgiving is preparing that meal, meal preparation. Now, if you see my slide right here, I mean, that looks all very healthy. And in a minute, when we talk about the actual food, we will find out that uh, Thanksgiving is, is actually not that healthy. Not a good time to be on a diet if you are celebrating Thanksgiving. The next slide is the star of the show. We can't forget about that. It's been mentioned a couple times. My mom will be making it. It's the turkey. The turkey is the star of the show for Thanksgiving. It is the main dish. So when I say star of the show, it comes from show business. It comes from like a movie. So just a couple days ago, I watched a movie called The Jungle Cruise. At least that's what we call it in English. And The Rock and Ellen, Emily Blunt, they are the stars of that movie. So they're, they're the main people of that movie. Yeah, for Thanksgiving dinner, the turkey. The turkey is the star of the show. So if you are a, oh, okay, 10 kilograms. That's what it is for, thank you. Thank you, LIS. Good to see you here. Benvenuto, benvenuto, or benvenuta. Um, welcome. So that I think that's a big turkey. Yeah, my mom said uh, yeah, it's a big one this year. Yeah, I know, Marco, don't worry about it. Nightbot needs to chill, chill, right, Cecilia? Just Nightbot, chill out, man, chill out. I need to get rid of him, Nightbot. Sometimes he or she helps out. Sometimes they're just a pain in the butt. That's a that's a term you can use when something bothers you. Nightbot can be a pain in the butt. <laughs> All right, Radu says a twenty-two pound turkey is huge. I'll find out tomorrow. Maybe, yeah. Follow me on Instagram. And it's a lot easier to post quick things on Instagram. I'll, I'll post a picture of our turkey tomorrow. Yeah, Linda, I agree. It's never, it's always hard to be on a diet, isn't it? So it's just, I, I want to try to find time to be on a diet and then just good food just finds my plate. So it's, it's hard. It's hard. So the star of the show is the turkey, but. Hang on. This is a new one. Tryptophan. Not sure if anybody knows about tryptophan, but has anybody heard that? It's probably something similar in your language. 
if you've ever heard of it. But there is a, hey, I'm on. How are you? Glad you can make it. Glad you can make it. Good to see you here. There is a, what would we call it? Not an element, but there is something in Turkey called tryptophan. Okay. Apparently it's, 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 why can I not think of the English name for there's something in Turkey. Okay. Called tryptophan. And some people think that eating Turkey makes you sleepy because of the tryptophan that's in Turkey. Now I've heard both stories. I've heard that yes, there's tryptophan in Turkey, but that is not why you are sleepy after the Thanksgiving meal. You're sleepy because you've eaten so much. And so your body is losing all of its energy to try to digest the food. I don't know what to believe, but I do know often after I eat a big Thanksgiving meal, I do feel sleepy. So a lot of the, a lot of times after people eat that Thanksgiving meal, they will go to the couch, maybe fall asleep during the football game because of the tryptophan that is in Turkey. So I thought that might be a new one for you. Tryptophan. The next one, famished. Oftentimes I do not eat breakfast on Thanksgiving. I want to be really hungry when Thanksgiving dinner or lunch rolls around. Most of the time we will eat Thanksgiving dinner at about one or two o'clock in the afternoon. So it's a late lunch or an early dinner. So by the time we are ready to eat, I am really hungry. And another way to say really hungry is I am famished. I'm famished. I'm actually famished right now. Wait, what? It's an ostrich. What's an ostrich? We don't, I've, well, I've never eaten ostrich if ever, I don't think. Oh, because it's so big. Because it's so big. Oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. It took me a second. It took me a second. Oh, so it seems like um, learn Italian with song might have some young children. All right. Well, get your learning in while you can. I know it's difficult with children. I've been there before. Now, here's my favorite, the side dishes. So oftentimes, I say oftentimes a lot. I say oftentimes often. A lot of times, we'll have the turkey, but then the side dishes are the things that go along with the turkey. You might have corn. You might have potatoes. Those are very popular side dishes. You might also have rolls. Rolls. That's the bread that you have with Thanksgiving. Not biscuits. We have rolls. Maybe I'll take a picture of rolls tomorrow. But my mom said that she is bringing the turkey and rolls tomorrow. So most of, like Jamie and I, will be making side dishes. I think my brother and sisters will be making side dishes as well. Let's get to another uh, couple side dishes here. And that would be my favorite casserole. I'm not sure if this is a new word for you, but a casserole is pretty much 
what can you have? You can have macaroni casserole. You can have sweet potato casserole. I'm actually making corn casserole. And often, I almost said oftentimes, often they will be topped with cheese. You see that right there? The picture of that casserole, it is topped with cheese. The two main ingredients for a casserole are usually butter and cheese. And you can almost throw anything in the pot that you want and you can call it a casserole. For instance, I am making a corn casserole. So what I do is I have, it's called whole kernel corn, whole kernel corn, cream corn, put that into a baking dish, put in some sour cream. Sour cream is also a very popular ingredient for casseroles. Butter, mix it all together, top it with cheese. There's a little cornmeal in there as well. That's a corn casserole. Yeah, casserole, you can have green bean casserole. Pretty much any kind of food you can think of, you can make a casserole out of it. Tuna casserole, chicken casserole. Yeah, yeah, casserole. If you're not familiar with that English term, it can be pretty much anything and it's always a side dish. Well, sometimes people have it for the main dish too, but not usually on Thanksgiving. Hmm. Looking through the chat here. This is your brain on food. Oh, it says tryptophan is good for brain health. All right. It's good to know. Yeah, tryptophan, I don't know if it makes you sleepy or not, but it's in Turkey, I guess. All right. Um, Radu is wondering, are your siblings older than you? No, I am the oldest. So I am the oldest sibling. My sister is two years younger than me. And my brother is five and a half years younger than me. China is in the house. Welcome. Welcome. Looks like, I think Daniel's here. Everybody's saying hi to Daniel. So let me say hi to Daniel from Brazil. He is a channel member. Gotta say, hey, I think that's two weeks in a row, Daniel. I know he's very busy, but welcome. And Romania is in the house too. Casserole. Love them. Love them. Oh, hey, Radu, we're going to be getting, we'll be getting to leftovers in a little bit. Don't you worry. The next one, cranberry sauce. This is a must have for Thanksgiving. Cranberry sauce. For instance, this morning I mentioned I went to Walmart. I had to get all the food. Jamie and I went. And guess what? When we went to Walmart, didn't have any cranberry sauce. We had to go to another store, but it's so important. What we do with cranberry sauce is you can mix it with some of the side dishes. For instance, my wife makes a chicken casserole. I love putting in a couple slices of cranberry sauce and it makes it tart. That's the adjective we can describe when you use cranberry sauce. Cranberries are tart. So if you know what cranberry is in English, they don't look like that, but we have something called cranberry sauce. 
I'm not sure if that is popular around the world, but it does come in slices and you can see that t-shirt. I need to get that t-shirt. Um, it usually comes in a can. I did, there will be a picture of cranberry sauce on Instagram if it's not there already, because I did take a picture of cranberry sauce. I had to see if I, I don't know if this will work, but this is my picture for cranberry sauce. Can you see it? See, so can't make it bigger. But it, it comes in a can and, I, and it's a little bright. I promise this will be on Instagram if it's not there already. It comes in a can and it is so good. It makes almost every side dish a little better. Take a couple slices of cranberry sauce, stick it in your side dish, mix it up. Lovely. Bon appetit. We even, I know that's French, but we even say that in English. It's going to be good eating. I promise. I promise. Promise. What is that? Fish? Sita? I guess she might be asking uh, what uh, I did say tuna. So that is a type of fish, but they uh, Sita and Linda might be having a different conversation. Mega. Good question here, sir. Why do you have to put your everyday food in a refrigerator? Oh, when the weather is so cold. Oh, that's a good question. Okay. If you've never lived in a, uh, a cold place, the problem is, is that you really can't regulate the temperature. You can't keep the temperature at the temperature you want it. For instance, at night, let's say I left, um, I left some water outside. Like, hey, this is going to stay cool. Well, at night it might freeze. It gets so cold here that it actually might freeze. But then if you leave meat outside in the daytime, it might be too warm. And it might spoil. So there are some people, and um, maybe if you live in a place like Russia or Romania, you might know this, but if you drink alcohol and you have a party, a lot of times people will bring their alcohol, maybe a beer, and they will stick it in the snow. And that'll be fine for that party, especially if it's at night or whatever. But yeah, any type of food that might spoil a little dangerous leaving it outside sometimes it's a little too warm but my garage where we keep our car it does get a little cold so if the fridge fills up if there is no room in the fridge sometimes we will stick some food in the garage to keep it cool but not for too long it actually you know will stay fresh longer if you put it in the refrigerator but Sometimes right around Thanksgiving, the fridge is very full. Last week, Jamie said to everybody, she said, hey, let's eat up what is in the fridge. Okay. There's an English phrasal verb there. Let's eat up what's in the fridge before we buy any more food so we can make room for Thanksgiving. So you need a lot of room in your refrigerator for Thanksgiving. So good. Alex knows what cranberry sauce is. That is good. That is good. You know what, Radu? The question is, do Americans use cranberry sauce a lot? Maple syrup for the win. So cranberry sauce for me is associated with holidays. 
and almost always with Thanksgiving. Sometimes my family, we celebrate Christmas, sometimes with Christmas, but always with Thanksgiving for sure. Cranberry sauce. Yeah. If you've never had it, it is very tart. I'm sorry, Constantine. Get some food. I need to eat lunch after this. So oh, it's it's 12 o'clock where I live right now. So I understand. I understand. Look at this. What do I do? Perishable food. Let's talk about that. Thanks for mentioning that. Perishable foods have to be stored carefully all the time. Perishable food, that's another way to say food that will go bad. We sometimes say that. Or food that will spoil. For instance, milk. Everybody knows milk, right? It's, I know it's not a food, but it's it's perishable. It's perishable. So it needs to be refrigerated. If you leave milk out for any length of time, you could get sick. You could get sick. So be careful. Oh no, Alina. Do you like the snow? In the members discord, we often have discussions, not arguments. We're all very cordial in there. We're all very respectful, but I don't think Luke is here, but Luke and I are team summer. We, we love summer. And uh, Maria, I know she's team winter. She likes it when it's cold. I think Amina might be team winter too. Yeah. I, I don't like winter. I don't like winter. Oh no. I don't know what that means, but a certain type of S. Yeah. Cecilia is more of a linguist than I am. I don't know what that means, but thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you like the way I pronounce that S sound. All right, back to the lesson. What's the next one here? Drumstick. Drumstick. So if you can picture a turkey, I had a picture of it in an oven not too long ago. The things on the side that look like that picture, that's a fried drumstick, by the way, probably chicken, but we call those things drumsticks. So it could be, you know, I got a, I got a drum set behind me. It could be what you play the drums with a drumstick, or it could be the two things on the side of the Turkey. There are only two. And so a lot of times people who get the drumstick are extra thankful on Thanksgiving. They might say, Hey, is, is anybody going to eat that drumstick? I'd like a drumstick. So, and, and in English, we say dark meat and white meat. So the drumstick would be considered dark meat. And then the chicken breast would be considered white meat or, or turkey for Thanksgiving. Exactly. A lot like KFC, Kentucky fried chicken. Drumstick is the next one. Now, this is a big debate in the United States. Stuffing or dressing. Now, earlier on Instagram, I put a lot of pictures of how some Americans will buy their dressing or stuffing. So this is a side dish. And if it is stuffing or dressing, they're both made mostly from cornbread or cornmeal. And they have a lot of spices on them. One very popular spice would be sage. But some people 
will actually stuff the turkey with a mixture that looks like that. Or it could be a little softer than that. But some people will mix chicken broth with those little, we might call those breadcrumbs or cubes of bread, or maybe even croutons, those might be called. And it is a side dish, but some people will stuff it in the turkey and keep it in there while it bakes. And some people will not stuff it in the turkey. If you live in the South, you probably call that stuff dressing. And it's my responsibility in my family. I make the dressing. I make the dressing. I make it a little bit different from other people in my family because I did spend some time in the South and I think my dressing is better than their stuffing. But my brother, he really likes stuffing. And so he'll make his own stuffing, usually from stovetop. Check out my Instagram because I did take a picture of what stovetop dressing it, stovetop stuffing it's actually, stovetop stuffing somewhere. Yeah, check the Instagram. There are pictures of it. So it's a big debate. If you're from the South in the United States, you probably call it dressing. If you live in the North where I live, it's probably stuffing. And there's a little difference, but just know if you ever go to Thanksgiving at a house in the United States, there might be a little debate, which is better, dressing or stuffing. I like, I like dressing. My brother, he likes stuffing. So check that out. It's so good though. Do you know why? I know it looks like it's mostly bread and spices, but I'll tell you what makes it the best. Butter. Lots and lots of butter. Yeah, that's mostly what makes food good in the United States, butter. If you don't know how to make something, just put a lot of butter in it and it'll probably be good. Butter, sour cream, all the bad stuff. It'll be good. The next one, you might overeat. You might overeat at Thanksgiving. And you can see that person, they are holding their belly because they are stuffed. They ate too much. So a lot of times when you're done, you might say, Oof, I ate too much. I am stuffed. I am stuffed. That's different from stuffing, different from stuffing, but it's basically like you stuffed too much food into your belly. I should do a whole English lesson on the word stuff because uh, it can be a little bit tricky. Hey, yes, Americans eat lots of butter, lots of butter, butter. If you're from New York, you might say butter. You don't pronounce the R at the end, butter. Smooth like butter. I think I made a, I think I made an English lesson on butter not too long ago. Maybe last year. Maybe last year. All right, Radu. I heard many people saying that American food is generally unhealthy. Do you believe that characterization is fair, Brent? Um, yeah, I live it every day. I probably don't eat enough salad. Probably don't eat enough good stuff. Like Linda said, it's hard to be on a diet. 
That's for sure. That's for sure. Overeat. A lot of times you can wear sweatpants to Thanksgiving dinner. Now, right now I'm wearing a sweatshirt. So if you see the material that I'm wearing, that's what pants are made out of. And we call them sweatpants. And I do want to teach you another term, which is elastic waistband. So this is not an elastic waistband, but if you know the word waste, waste, um, how is it spelled? It's not like, it's not like this, which is another way to say trash. W a S T E. It's another way to say trash. Like, Oh, after Thanksgiving, you might have a lot of waste, which you will need to throw away. No, this is a different spelling that's spelled like this waste. I'm going to point. I think you can see that. You see that, that that's the person's waist. It's right in the middle of their body, right above the belt. Well, you can have an elastic waistband, which means it's like rubber. And so if your stomach gets too big after you eat Thanksgiving dinner, sweatpants with an elastic waistband, it's a great piece of clothing to have because you, you know that your belly is going to expand from all the food expand. It gets bigger. So it would be wise to wear sweatpants to Thanksgiving dinner. Sometimes Americans will dress up for Thanksgiving, which means wear fancy clothes. But at my family, in my family, we're pretty casual. We're pretty cash. You can show up in sweatpants if you want, because we know we will be eating. And as Linda says, it's comfy. It's another way to say comfortable. Yeah, it's very comfy to wear sweatpants. If you know you're going to be eating a lot, put those sweatpants on right before Thanksgiving dinner. Or if you're hosting Thanksgiving, which is what I'm doing, I might wear jeans for the meal and then I might excuse myself to my room and then put on some sweatpants. Yeah, I don't think I will. I don't, I don't, I try not to eat too much. I try not to feel too bloated. It's another way, Radu. It's another way you can say you're very full. You're very bloated. If my face was bloated, I'm puffing out my cheeks. More English phrasal verbs. Puffing out. If you're watching or if you're listening on the podcast, I'm sorry. You have no idea what I just did. But I appreciate you listening on the podcast. Hello to everybody watching on replay. And of course, if you're watching live, thanks so much. You make the lesson more enjoyable. I get to talk with someone. It's a lot better than filming on my own. I get to see some uh, funny things that are said in the chat and often some things that actually help me out. Comfy. I never would have talked about that word. Bloated. Thank you. Awesome stuff. The next one. Oh, I'm on. Great question. What's the difference between comfy and cozy? A lot of times 
those words are used the same, like in the same sentence. So, oh, it feels so comfy and cozy in here. Um, th so there might not be a difference. There might not be a difference. Um, but comfy is short for comfortable. But I'm going to describe a cozy room, which I would not say is comfy. A bed. Like if a bed is really comfortable, you could you could call it cozy. I'm sorry. You could call it comfy. I should probably make an English lesson on this. This is a tough one. So the bed can be comfy. But when you get into the bed and you pull the covers over you, you might feel cozy. So think about this room. Maybe you have a fire going in the fireplace. You have a fire going. You have a comfy couch to sit on. Maybe it's snowing outside. Maybe the lights are on really low. That sounds like a cozy room to me. Cozy. So definitely a, a good video I could make. What's the difference between comfy and cozy? Again, sometimes there is no difference. Sometimes it's just based on the way you feel. So yeah, good one. Good question. I hope I answered that. All right. Um, is Thanksgiving celebrated all over the United States? Yes, I do think that it is celebrated all over the United States. Radu, I wonder if you are from Russia, because I know in Russia, at least maybe Ukraine as well, Belarus, um, pancakes are a symbol of good luck. So I love pancakes. And uh, yes, I do eat them quite often but not during the week because pancakes usually take some time to prepare. So I usually get something a little quicker Monday through Friday when I have to work, but all right, let's get back to this. If you uh, have eaten too much, you might have to loosen your belt buckle. So if you can't change into those sweatpants, you might have to loosen your belt buckle. And you see that little metal part there? That's the belt buckle. And ooh, the little holes that are on a belt, we often call them notches, okay? Notches. So you might have to loosen a notch in your belt buckle. And that is the way we spell notch. So those little holes on a belt, they're called notches. But if you forget it, what it's called, you can just say, oh, there's some holes on the belt. We'll know what you're talking about. But if you want to be fancy, you can say notches, notches. Loosen your belt buckle. Now, my favorite, my favorite, it's leftovers, leftovers. And that is when you can't finish your Thanksgiving meal, there is still food on the table. A lot of times what will happen is everybody will grab some containers. We often call them Tupperware containers. They're plastic containers that you can take the food, bring it home with you if you're not hosting Thanksgiving, and then eat it the next day. Those are leftovers. And a lot of times, 
the food for Thanksgiving will taste even better the next day. Taste even better the next day. We, we often have uh, leftovers for days. So Thanksgiving is on Thursday. A lot of times we'll have leftovers until Saturday or Sunday. Got to make room in the fridge. Uh, okay. A bellini. All right. I think that's a, a word we use in English sometimes too. Thinner. Is it a thinner pancake? A bellini. And is it often filled with maybe fruit or something? A bellini? Oh, yeah. Americans eat leftovers all the time. Again, I think they're better the next day. It's become a little more dry. You know, some of the water has evaporated from the food, becomes a little dry. You can add chicken broth to make it taste a little better. When you warm it up in the microwave, oh my gosh, a lot of English phrasal verbs right there. A lot of English phrasal verbs. And this is my least favorite. It's the cleanup. It's the cleanup. But you can see in that slide, the dishwasher. If you have a dishwasher, that's that middle one right there. That looks like a cup that's in the rack of a dishwasher. We call that part the rack. I do think you can see my cursor here. So in the middle, that red cup is on the bottom rack of the dishwasher, I think. No, it might be the top rack. So there's usually a, a top rack and a bottom rack in the dishwasher. And then this person is washing the dishes by hand in a sink. So you might have a dishwasher or you might have to wash them by hand is the term that we would use. And that might be a dish brush right there. That yellow thing by that yellow cup, we would call that a dish brush. I think that is the last slide. We made it. We made it till the end. Yeah. Can you see that? The, I hope you did. I hope you did. When I was on that other page, I just can't see myself. But that uh, might call it a cursor pointer. Yeah. Well, I've got to go. I have some very important things I need to do to get the house ready for Thanksgiving. Right now, my, my wife, Jamie, is getting stuff ready for Thanksgiving. My son might be helping out. My daughter is actually at work right now. She works at a bakery, so she's not helping out, but she's working hard. So thank you so much, everyone. Channel members, thank you all. I'm on. I'm glad you could stop by. Cecilia, Linda, Thank you for the super chat. Thank you. Anyone who subscribed to the channel, you know, hit the like button, all that stuff. Follow me on Instagram for some more Thanksgiving things on Instagram. All right. I hope you all have a Constantine. Thank you. Thank you all. We will see you later. I got, I would rather stay here and talk with all of you, but I, I got, I got stuff to do. I need to help Jamie out. All right. Thank you all. I will see you hopefully this weekend for another English lesson. Adios, amigos.